Hi, this is Larson Hicks, and welcome to my podcast, where I rant and rave about whatever it is I'm currently thinking about, and also occasionally bring in much smarter guests for longer conversations about topics they're passionate about. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to the Larson Hicks Show. It's good to have you here. Um, I am doing kind of a kind of a medley uh, episode. I've got a handful of things, five or so things that I want to talk about, and um, and and just you know, context. This this show has always been about responding to questions or conversations that I'm having with friends, uh, usually uh, from church, and so um, that's really what's driving all of this. So I've I've kind of built up a list when people ask me. It's kind of an ask ask me anything sort of question uh, episode. So when people ask me a question or suggest something, or um, I, I just make a note of it and uh, try to get around to recording. It and I just have a little bit of time today, so I figured I'd try to just squeeze this in. Um, so, and uh, if you're just joining this podcast for the first time, welcome. Uh, it's good to have you. And I would love to commend our last episode I recorded last week with my friend Joffrey Swate uh, on um, intellectual immune systems. I thought that was a really fun uh, conversation, I think a, an important conversation, and hopefully the conversation was helpful. Uh, so check that one out if you haven't. All right, so let's dive in. The first uh, item on my list today is the topic of celebrity pastors. Uh, I think it's po- I think it's it's common uh, to to kind of hate on celebrity pastors. If you're obviously not a huge fanboy of a celebrity pastor, then you're in the probably in the other camp. Um, and I would just say I on this topic, um, is it wrong for someone to be a celebrity or to be really well known? Well, was Jesus well known? Did he have crowds following him? Uh, was David or was uh, Joseph? You know, I mean, the, the scripture's full of men who are famous uh, in in you know in, in their own time and place, and so I don't think that is a cause for concern in and of itself. Uh, but what I would say is um, there are some things to say about this. One one is. Um, how did a, did a pastor become a quote unquote celebrity pastor? Um, well, if, uh, if that, that pastor's time and energy and the church's budget is devoted to propping up his, um, status as a celebrity, um, then that would be a problem. Um, now if, if, so if, if you're a 30, early thirties, uh, pastor, uh, who is, employing all of the tricks of social, you know, search engine optimization and savvy media production and, uh, you know, twi- uh, social media engagement. Um, and, and you're, you're seeking, uh, to increase your viewership, uh, and reach through, uh, all of these various tricks and all of the energy that you're putting into this stuff. Um, then I think that's a problem. I think you're grasping for something, um, prematurely, you know, that God, hasn't yet given you. So it's not that he wouldn't give it to you, but I think you want influence because, um, because your content is, is solid and, and people, uh, share it and seek it out. And I think, uh, so I think all of the strategies and marketing tips and tricks that people are using, um, to, to grow their audience, I think that's a problem. Uh, you know, does it mean that, that you shouldn't talk about things that are controversial because you don't want to, tr- you know, you're, you're nervous of, I, I, I think there's a gut check that, that we should all have as, as leaders in the church that, uh, what's our motive, what's our focus. 
And if you're a full-time pastor, you're a full-time pastor. And so having a podcast can and should be a, a logical outgrowth of that. But if it's it's an end in, in, in and of itself, um, you should maybe ask for a raise. Like if, you, if you're not making enough money as a pastor to support your family, um, uh, but you, so you're having to build a, a, a big, uh, you know, revenue stream from social media or, you know, from other enterprises. I'm not saying it's bad to have to be bivocational, have another job, but, but I think the lines get blurry and, uh, and it's hard sometimes when I'm listening to some of these podcasts who are constantly advertising to me to join their paid behind the scenes thing or their, their products that they're selling or whatever. It, it's hard for me to take them to really, it, I think it undermines their credibility. Yeah, I, th- I think when you, when you start to see all these advertisements for things um, and asking for money, it's like, okay, you're you're actually doing this for money, um, and it, and uh, and it, I think it rightfully should should give a listener pause to go, okay, what what's really driving this content? Um, I just you know, at worst, I think it's unbecoming, you know, of 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 a pastor of a minister of the gospel. Um, I think at best, I should say, it's it's unbecoming. I think at worst, it's um, it's dangerous. It's bad. And, and, and I would say a young pastor who's through, uh, you know, through savvy, uh, media tactics has built a big audience. Um, I, I would just say, you know, brother, you're, you've got a, um, you're, you're creating a, um, a situation that you need to be prepared to, to be responsible for. You've got people all over the country who are starting to sit under your teaching and look to you as an authority um, uh, but you haven't earned that. Um, God hasn't given that to you. That's something you've grasped at. And I would just, I would just say that's, that's a, I don't think that's something that any of us should be, um, that, you know, if, if you're aspiring to be an author and to be an influencer or a social media influencer, which is one of the most popular, uh, job titles. If you ask kids these days, what do you want to be when you grow up? A lot of them say social media influencer. If you just want to be a social media influencer, go, go do that, you know, just go do that and be a Christian social media influencer just be honest about it. But when it's, when it's like, well, I'm a pastor, but I'm also doing this. I just think it, I think it creates problems and, um, and people have a deep seated kind of father hunger or pastor hunger. People want to have a shepherd, uh, want to be part of something. And so you're sort of making yourself a target. Um, and, um, for people all over the country to get discontent with their own pastors, their own shepherds and start sitting under your teaching. And, uh, I just think that's a, that's a, that's not the way to do it. Uh, is somebody like Doug Wilson who's got a huge following and now you have Canon Press that promotes a lot of stuff. Uh, is is that the same thing? Well, no. Uh, you know, Doug's been a pastor for f- 40 plus years. Um, his influence has grown through just lots and lots of content and lots and lots of faithful ministry that that has slowly uh, developed an audience. And, um, and yeah, there's now a for-profit uh, publishing house in their hometown. It started as a church ministry and at some point they said you know this is really a business let's just completely separate it but it's a christian publishing house so they're putting out a lot of doug stuff he's a prolific writer and he's got a big audience and people love his stuff i love his stuff so um i don't see that as a problem i think the problem comes in so i don't see it as a problem with pastor wilson i see it as a problem with me and with my uh peers if if we start to view him as our pastor um and start to to um, stop listening to our own elders, and and I'll just say this uh, may come this may come up later, but um, but what I'd say about my own church, our our church here in Huntsville, um, our session of elders and pastors are 
tirelessly working to feed the flock and to defend the flock against sheep, you know, wolves and sheep clothing. Um, we're, we're tirelessly, and I mean that sincerely working to fight, uh, the battles that we think face us and our congregation and our time and place. And what I've seen is, and this may be a good segue into my next point. What I've seen is a lot of, um, people who are really amped up about other fights that other people are excited about elsewhere and, and a growing discontent that we're not fighting those fights. Uh, and, 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 and we're, we're boomers cause we don't see that, that there's this important fight that we're not engaged in. And my point is just come, come talk to your session, come ask your, your, your pastors. They probably are very intentionally choosing to, or not to fight in those things. And, uh, and, and you should ask yourself, why am I, Letting other pastors determine what I'm going to care about, what I'm going to, what I'm, what fights I'm going to fight. Why don't I join in to the work of the local church? Um, so that's my point. I'll, I'll kind of use that as a segue from celebrity pastors to the next topic, um, which is uh, this idea of being addicted to red pills. Um, and this could be a whole episode in and of itself, but um, I, I, I kind of popped off on the on the biblical horizons uh, listserv this week on this topic and, and, um, got some feedback and, and, uh, this came up because we've had, uh, we've had some issues in our church that we're trying to kind of get to the bottom of. And this was a comment that, that a, a, a member of our church made that I thought was so helpful and insightful was people get addicted to red pills. People want more and more red pills. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, I think for a lot of these folks, they're newly reformed and, uh, in, in terms of their theology, they've just more recently were a reformed church. So they more recently become reformed. And even being reformed to these people is a red pill. You know, it's, it's a awakening, uh, to a whole other way of viewing the Bible and history and, uh, and theology, um, that was, that they, that they were invisible to before they took the red pill, right? They were, they were oblivious to, um, so, so that whole world was, was invisible to them, uh, prior to taking the red pill. And so, just joining the church, you know, was a sort of, uh, uh, taking a red pill. And then they get into the CREC into our church and they go, what's the next red pill? It's like, Oh, have you gotten into post-millennialism? You need to take that red pill. It's going to blow your mind. And it's like, you know, have you gotten into pedo communion? Oh, you should take that red pill. Like you're going to see it's the, it's the best. And, and, and you just keep going and going and going. And, and I think what happens is there's this like addiction, to red pills. It's like, I, I like, what's the next red pill? I want to know, is it, is it some conspiracy theory that I didn't know about, you know, or is it some alternative view of history? Is it some, uh, diet thing? And, and, you know, I talk about this stuff a lot because frankly, this is the crap that tears churches apart. And this is the crap that leads sheep astray is, is this like addiction, you know, to these, to these, I, I, and, and what it really is, is, is Gnosticism. Um, I think, I, I think it's the same, problem of Gnosticism. Here is some, some new perspective that explains everything. Some secret knowledge that I can have, and it's going to save me and my family. It's going to save our church. It's going to save our society. Um, and, uh, and, and so there's this quest for what is this, what other secret knowledge do I need? That's going to change everything. And, and the, and the, the reason why Gnosticism is a heresy is that secret knowledge doesn't save you. Like having some secret knowledge, we're saved by faith. Uh, we're not saved by knowledge, by secret knowledge. When we get to, I heard an analogy uh, um, the other day of, you know, somebody shows up to uh, 
to the pearly gates and St. Peter says, uh, well, uh, one, just one last question before I let you in, you know, um, what's, uh, hand you a piece of paper as a little test and on the test it says, you know, um, uh, explain salvation by faith or describe how salvation by faith works. Sola fide. Um, and I, I'm probably botching the delivery of this. Um, but, um, but the person looks at it and turns around and hands it back. And St. Peter says, that's the right answer. You're in. And it was kind of the point was, um, you're not going to understand these things. You know, it's, 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 it's deep mysteries. Um, and, and you're not saved because you understand them, uh, completely or perfectly. And so don't, don't take that. Um, don't believe that. So addiction to red pills. I think it's something that we should be thinking about asking ourselves, do I fall into that category? Am I somebody who is just constantly seeking after the next big thing, the next big idea that, that kind of turns the world on its head and, and is going to make me a better Christian. I would just say, again, look to your pastors, your pastors, your elders are actually doing their darndest to try to expose the lies and, and, um, and, uh, um, cast a vision for where we're heading and fight the good fight, you know? And so, and so if you, if you come across some red pill, you know, some new thing, you know, a great, a great place to start is to go to your pastor and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Is this something we should be worried about? And I said this in another episode, uh, with Rich Lusk is it's a great thing for, for Christians to frequently say, I don't know. And I don't care, you know, like that's a good place to be. And, and, and if your pastor says that he's saying, I, I like, this isn't the thing, this isn't the thing to focus on. Um, I don't know. And I don't really care. And, and you, and you really probably shouldn't either. Right. Um, so I'll stop there, but I, I thought that was a good, uh, a good, uh, way to think about some of this stuff, addiction to red pills. Okay. The next one is homeschooling or parenting, uh, uh, parenting and homeschooling ADD boys or ADHD attention deficit hyperactivity boys. Um, I love this because, um, I am, uh, you know, definitely ADD ADHD. Um, as a matter of fact, I went to a school for like a year and a half when I was in seventh grade and eighth grade, uh, for kids with learning disabilities. I was such a problem in all of my classes. I, I literally, every class I had, up to that age, uh, probably starting in elementary school, uh, every teacher had a special um, chair for me, usually in the corner or in a closet or in a cubicle or in the hallway, uh, literally, I mean, every single teacher, because um, I was just such a problem um, in classes. So I, 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 I wanted to dominate, I wanted to make everyone laugh, I wanted to entertain everybody, I wanted to, um, I, want, I couldn't sit still, you know, it's just that was that was me. So I was one of these boys. So I, I, I have a lot of sympathy and I, and I have several of these boys. Uh, I've got several boys that fit this description very well. So how do you do this? How does this work? Um, and, and I think, um, I think schools, you know, there's a different solution for this at a school school, you know, at a all day school. Um, and I'm not going to try to pretend like I know how to do that cause I don't. Um, but I have parented uh, and homeschooled uh, with my wife, uh, several of these boys, and I'm actively doing that today. And, uh, and I can tell you kind of some things that have worked for me. One, one of the things I'll mention is when you've got a kid who um, really gets overwhelmed by a bunch of desk work, um, busy work, one of the first things I did, uh, and, and I had to develop these, I actually, honestly, 
I developed my own skills for dealing with this, uh, you know, really what it is, is masculine, young, young man, masculine energy, you know, a lot of it. Uh, but, um, not to say that people who, who, uh, don't struggle with this stuff are, are not masculine, but it's a common, it's a dude, it's a young, it's a boy thing. It's not a girl thing generally. Um, so, uh, one of the first things was, okay, like for me, like multi-sensory is one of the things like needing a lot of stimuli. Right. And so for me, having headphones on that are playing music, um, is really helpful. It's just another, it's like my brain works. My brain doesn't work well in silence. My brain works better with more going on around me. I remember when I was a, a, a waiter, you know, my, one of my early jobs in high school as a waiter. And I remember being like, I love this. I love it when there's 20 tables in my section and I'm running around like refilling coffee and, and grabbing a, grabbing something and dropping something off and taking an order. And like, just all of that intense, like I felt like I was in the matrix and like in bullet time, like everything around me was like moving slow. And I was like fat, like something, I, I realized something about myself in that moment that I function better with lots of stimuli. Um, and so that's just how I think some guys are wired. I think ADD is kind of that. So multi-sensory having, you know, sometimes quiet is, is hard for, for people, uh, boys with this. I go to coffee shops a lot of times to work. And again, I put headphones on usually, but just people and activity going on sort of helps me focus more. Um, so that's one idea. Um, what I did with one of my sons was was overwhelmed with the, the amount of work he had every day. Um, what I would do is, is I go, okay, let's, let's take all of your assignments for the day and let's just use a real conservative estimate. What's the max amount of time this Latin assignment is going to take 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45. Okay. Let's just take all the worst case scenario, you know, of how long everything's going to take. Cause he's looking at it going, this is going to kill me. I can't, I, how do I do this? Just, just really dejected. And so we took every single subject and I got him to give me a number. You give me a number. We added it all up. And then we said, okay, um, if all of this actually takes as long as you say, let's do the math. If we started now, when would you be done with all of this? And usually it was like, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock, noon. You know, it's like, this really isn't all that much work if you stay focused. Uh, it's, 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 it sounds like a lot. It looks like a lot when it's sort of unstructured in your brain. But when you actually break it down and look at it, it's like, okay, I could... And so it was like, okay, well, what would you do if you got done by one o'clock? Like, what would you do? Oh man, I'd, I'd go fish, you know, I'd go, I'd go to the Creek. Um, I'd go ride my bike. I'd go, you know, play with my airsoft gun, whatever. Like, okay, well, like that could happen today. You could be doing that from 1 PM until dinner today. If you, if you get this done. Um, so why don't we do this? Let's start with the easiest one, kind of debt snowball style, uh, Dave Ramsey, Start with the easiest one. I'm going to set a timer. We'll put it right here on the on the table. It's a race. Here's the timer. Ready, set, go. And then go. And then as soon as he finishes, almost inevitably, because we were really conservative in our estimate, he'd finish early and go, look at that, dude. Move it back from 1 to, to 12.55. Like you just bought yourself five minutes. Go take a quick five-minute break. Go downstairs. Get a quick snack. Get a, get a, a drink of water and be back up here in three minutes. Okay, great. And so like just creating some momentum and, and doing lots of rewards, you know, I think lots of breaks and changes in activities is another thing. So 
Um, setting timers, so you can see that I'm, I'm actually knocking stuff out. You get to cross that off the list, check off the box. That stuff really helps. Um, I have another son right now who uh, whose day is, um, so when they're working, I think structure really helps. So when they're working, um, have it be as structured as you can. Um, it's focused, it's intense, but set timers, like have a clear, this is gonna be over at this time, and then we're gonna, we're gonna take a break. Um, so I've got one son who is in high school now, but he's, he's, his morning from like 8 a.m. to noon is pretty structured. He's got a lot of classes and a lot of work he's doing, head down. And as soon as it's all done, he hops up from his chair, uh, goes to the gym, makes himself a, a protein shake, goes to the gym, works out, comes home, makes lunch. And then he's back up here and he's ready to, to hit homework and start working on the next thing. And then, you know, there's other times in the day where it's like, I'm going to go, uh, you know, um, do some other activity, but, but the, uh, but just changing locations, doing things, um, uh, having breaks, getting to turn off the thing and focus on something else. I think that helps for ADD people. It helps them kind of focus on better when they're actually in the middle of it. So hope that that was helpful. I hope there were some things in there. Uh, the last thing I'd say is, is bribery is wonderful. Um, I view bri my wife and I view bribery as training wheels. You know, it's, it's, we're trying to develop habits in our kids. And so if we can say, Hey, if you get done with this, um, you're going to get to do X or you're going to get to get this kind of snack or, or whatever. I love that, uh, for school and for just general obedience. I love bribing my kids. Um, uh, because I'm, uh, uh, it's a tool. It's a tool to help my kids develop habits and it's it's um i don't care that their heart in their heart they're trying to earn a candy you know uh by respecting their mom or by uh, getting their work done I, i'm okay with that um as they grow older and more mature we're going to we're going to continue to take those training wheels off right um but but habit force of habits a real thing momentum's a real thing so look for ways to create momentum and habit Okay, jumping over to the next topic. I don't know how much I'm going to say about this. This is about college, um, a conversation I was having this week about college. And my, my, my oldest son is in college right now. And, and a comment I made uh, to, to my brother was, you know, one of the biggest values, I think, of college, one of the, one of the reasons why college has been so popular in, in the world um, is it's a place to find a spouse, you know, and especially... I would say for young women, uh, young women need and want to find a spouse and their dads want them to find a spouse. That's a good thing. And, uh, and, and dads, uh, want their daughters to marry good men. Uh, and, and, and women, uh, are attracted to men who are, who are better than them. Um, by better, I'm just talking, I'm talking about this phenomenon. It's called hypergamy, uh, in kind of the, uh, the manosphere is where I've kind of heard this term, but, but this idea that, that women marry up, you know, women look for a man who's taller, who's, who comes from better sort of, um, uh, social class, uh, somebody who's more educated. And it makes sense because women are called, uh, to submit to their husbands, to follow their husband's lead. They're signing up at the, the word submission. You guys have heard me say the word submission just means under mission. And so a woman is looking for a man they can follow. And so it makes sense that they're looking for a man that they view as, as, as better than them in some some ways and so and so the brand you know a, a college uh, a college itself just the brand of a college signals uh quality right so when somebody's going to harvard 
we know that that's a signal about the kind of man that is, right? Um, and so, um, so those college brands are a tool that that we use to determine what kind of people are going to be here generally. And so dads, I think, wisely go, what kind of people, what kind of men do I do I think uh, I want to try to put my daughter around, uh, give her the best chance of finding a good man that she's going to be able to respect. Um, and sometimes it's hard to find locally. So I think it's a great tool for a wise uh, father and wise parents to use in order to, to try to help their kids find a spouse. And it goes both ways. I just think it's a lot more important. Uh, and, and more of a there's more urgency with a young woman, uh, as we you know, as we should know, there's there's a biological clock that's ticking. And, um, and our world says that you need to focus on your career. That's just a disaster, you know, for most women, it doesn't mean you should just sit around waiting to be married. That's why I think college is great. Go get an education, go better yourself, go uh, become a, a, a strong, capable, uh, wise, shrewd, well-educated woman uh, so that you can you can be the best uh, wife, mother. Uh, and, and you know, when I, when I think of wife, I think of Proverbs 31, which is not someone who's just sitting around uh, making babies and washing dishes. There are phases where that's a lot of the job. But the Proverbs 31 lady is a brilliant businesswoman. Uh, she's an executive. She's got a staff. She's taking products to market. She's doing real estate deals. So so go get educated. That's a great thing for a, a, if, if you as a father want, you know, think about this is the woman who's going to be raising up my grandkids. And what kind of grandkids do I want? Um, they're going to need a mom who can help them become the kind of man, men and women that I want my grandkids to be. Uh, so, um, so think about that. Um, I think college is great for that. There was a, a, a challenge to that concept that somebody that I've heard people throw out that, that somehow sending your daughter to college is an abdication of headship. Um, I just, I think that's ridiculous. I think, I certainly think it could be, uh, if you're just, if you don't care, if you're not parenting and being your, if your daughter is not under your authority in any way, and you're just sending her off to university of Alabama to join a, a sorority and, and have no protection, then yeah, you are abdicating your headship. But that abdication started a long time ago. Um, if you are doing what I just described and you are a godly father who is looking to provide for his daughter and, and particularly provide a, a future husband for them and you choose to use college as a tool for that and you don't have your head in the sand about what happens at college um, and you're not thinking carefully about the kind of college that you wanna send your daughter to, um, you know, that's that's where you get into trouble here but but I think uh, what I'm describing is actually a real headship it's 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 serious headship not some wooden rule you know pharisaical version of, of headship you know the 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 it reminds me of the it reminds me of the um, I kiss dating goodbye stuff or the courtship stuff it's like courtship uh with a tm next to it you know it's like a brand it's like and, and there's only one model and you have to do it this way and you have to follow these rules step by step that's that's stupid that's 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 not wisdom that's the opposite of wisdom um uh courtship is a principle it's a biblical principle that a wise father and mother uh apply um and and godly young men uh respect um and seek to to also follow, um, but it's not it's not a, a, a wooden 
set of, of rules uh, that, that you can just apply. And then you get to say, well, I, I did it right. I, my, my kids all did the courtship thing. It's like, good job. Congratulations. So yeah, I, I wouldn't let somebody uh, throw in shade. It's your choice to send your daughter to college. Um, deter you from it. You're If, if you're being a wise uh, father or wise, wise parents, uh, you can absolutely maintain your... Uh, responsibility and authority it's it's difficult uh but but it, you know it's difficult for your daughter to go to summer camp or to go to their grandma's house for the for the weekend or something i mean there's you can't you know headship doesn't equal line of sight <laughs> oversight uh and you lock your daughters up anytime you can't you can't directly watch them that's that's ridiculous so anyway um all right moving on Last thing, and, and I kind of started to get into this earlier, so so maybe this this uh, this will tie back in. But but there's this. Um, I think this generation, and the generation I'm speaking of, is really twenty to thirty somethings uh, uh, men uh, in our circles. I, I see spending a lot of time on the internet. You know, Reddit and 4chan and and uh, and forums and and um, and and, and I see them getting worked up about a lot of things. And, and then this ties back in again to kind of some of the, the, the red pill thing and the celebrity pastor thing. But, but, then, but then when, when their elders at their church or pastors aren't aware, don't seem to be aware of these things or care about them, the thought is, well, you're just a boomer. Okay, boomer. You don't understand, you know. And, and then when you talk to them about it and they go, that's stupid, you shouldn't be into that or you shouldn't care about that. It's like, okay, boomer, you don't, you don't get it. And it's like, and it's coming from the people it's coming from I've seen are the, are the young men who are, who claim that they wish that the older generation would have done a better job of training them. So a lot of them are saying, I feel like my dad didn't give me the kind of training to be a godly masculine man and so uh and and they lament that and then they go to the internet to find it and and sadly dismiss the actual older men uh in their community who would love who who would love to to guide them and and provide them with wisdom and invest in them the men who actually are doing those things um so i i just think that's worth pointing out it's a kind of ageism you know it's a kind of uh Chron- uh, chronological snobbery, you know, is another term I think uh, Lewis talked about. Just if an idea is old, it must be bad, and the newer ideas are better. It's it's the same. It's that same kind of thing. It's certainly ageism, um, but but there, but it, it also is just wisdom. I mean, the reason why Scripture tells tells us to look to older uh, women and men uh, for uh, our um, for wisdom uh, scripturally um, is that is that you age helps, you know, and, and as you get older, you, you tend to move towards more humility. You tend to become less excitable about every new thing. Uh, you start to see the patterns and go, I've seen this kind of stuff come and go a lot of times. And it's not that big a deal. Um, every presidential election in my lifetime has been the biggest deal in the world and the whole union was going to come crashing down if we didn't and i'm look i'm i'm acknowledging that we live in crazy times and that our society is in really bad shape my point is just that i'm fighting the battle i'm in the middle of it your session is in the middle of it we're fighting the battle we're not we're not putting our heads in the sand 
Um, we just disagree about how to do that. Uh, and, and we don't agree with the internet um, prophets and the internet um, rabble rousers uh, and all, and, and the people in the dark alley, you know, the, the kind of fellowship of the young, immature men that hide out um, to talk about edgy things that the boomers don't understand. Like that's, that's pretty typical, you know, uh, Doug Wilson would call us, call it fathead. That's just typical young fathead stuff. Like young fathead men have been doing this for, for time immemorial. I've heard, I've heard Socrates complaining about the generation of, you know, fatheads in his time. It's, this isn't, this isn't new. And, and, you know, you'll realize it as you get older, Lord willing, but, um, or, or you could listen to scripture and, 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 um, and honor, uh, the, the hoary head, you know, honor, honor the older men in your midst and, and actually seek to submit to, to their teaching and authority. And, and that's, and, and submission, I'll say this submission is as submission does. Okay. So it's, it's, it's one thing to say on paper, oh yeah, no, I submit to my, you know, I'll definitely submit to my authorities. Um, okay. Well, show me how you're doing that. Um, give me some examples of where you're submitting to your authorities on these issues that you're worked up about. Are you submitting to your authorities on that? Oh, no, those they're boomers. They don't get it. I'm not I'm not even gonna talk to them because they'll freak out. Okay. Well, um, that doesn't sound like submission to me. That sounds like you're making an excuse for not submitting. And so what I would say is, especially on those things, go to your if you're getting worked up, you know, if you're going, man, this looks like a big deal. And I think it's something we should care about. That's a that's a great opportunity to go submit to your elders and go, Hey elders, have, are you aware of this? Like, this is something I'm getting into and I'm finding out is kind of seems like a big deal and I'm kind of worried about it. Uh, and, and then be ready for their answer, you know, be ready for, and, and the answer may be, that's interesting. I haven't heard of that. Let me look into it. Uh, or I've seen that and I am not worried about it. And, and here's why we can talk more about it. Or, um, or, um, any, you know, there, any, anything in between. Um, yeah, the point is so, sometimes someone's a boomer, you know, you, somebody's guilty of being a boomer because they don't care about something because they had, the, they had the wisdom and the pattern recognition to immediately see it and dismiss it and choose. I'm not going to, I'm not going to burn calories on this thing. Um, I've got bigger fish to fry. I know what this kind of thing generally is and where it leads to. And I'm not gonna. Uh, I, I, I've got. I mean, this is the thing. Our time is so limited, and um, it's it's the most precious resource we have. So, so wise men and women always have to make these choices about what am I going to invest my time and energy into, and and young men and women tend to have a lot less responsibility in their lives. They're not running businesses and and have big families complicated families when your kids become teenagers things get more complicated so so things are pretty simple you know when when you're a young when you're a young parent uh, you don't you're not necessarily in leadership at your church or responsible for anything so so you should have less responsibility that's just a fact of life you get more responsibility typically as you get older and uh, and so your time isn't as constrained uh, when you're younger and so it's a real challenge is what to do with your time um, and older people, as their as their time gets more precious uh, and and constrained, they have to be more judicious about going. I'm not going to burn calories and time on that particular issue, and you apply wisdom. Um, so it's not to say there's not stuff 
you know, there's plenty of stuff that we're not aware of and we haven't thought about and that we would, you know, your session, your leaders, your elders, uh, pastors need to hear from you. Uh, they want to hear from you. They're your shepherds. They, they want to shepherd you. So what a blessing to have a, that's my, I'll tell you, it's, it's my favorite. And I know the other, the pastors at our church talk about this is their favorite thing in the world is when somebody comes and says, I'm struggling with this Bible verse. I don't understand it. Or I'm struggling with this thing uh, that's confusing to me. I don't, I, you know, or, or, or I'm hearing a lot of this and, and, and I'm just, uh, could you help me think through it? Like, that's like, that's like, that's what, that's what pastors and elders live for, you know, is, is having that kind of relationship with the flock. So, um, so just lean into it. And, you know, if, if you have a session that is prone to overreaction and freaking out and chomping down on you, that's, a, that's another issue. And that's something to pray, prayerfully think about and seek wisdom about. You may, you might have to go to someone else outside of your church, some wiser, uh, advisor and say, Hey, how do I deal with this? You know, uh, my, my session wants to accuse me of heresy every time I ask any question. Okay. That, that is a problem. That's, but you need wisdom there. You're not going to get wisdom on the internet with a bunch of, uh, a bunch of red pill trolls. So, all right. Well, there's my five topics in this kind of mashup recording. I hope that, uh, this was profitable in some way or another for you. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next